Thank you for tuning into a Centerpoint Church message. Our mission is to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. We hope this message achieves that and inspires you to both grow in your faith and live it out today. Enjoy! Welcome to Centerpoint Church. My name is Aaron DeMaster. I'm the pastor here. On behalf of my wife, Sydney, our two little, little girls, Eliza and Claire, we want to wish you a Merry Christmas. Thanks for making the trip out amidst the snowpocalypse we had and the cold apocalypse or whatever you want to call it, it seems, these days. But did, before we like kind of go into the service, did anyone see a camel out there? <laughs> like, who saw the camel? Okay, there's a camel out there. What kind of weird church... Is this right? First off, church in a kids' museum, but then camels, goats, donkey. What's next? Intermission juice boxes. If you're a kid and you actually want that one, it's up for grabs. But but it's Christmas Eve, right? It's Christmas Eve. It's Jesus's birthday. Isaiah seven fourteen. It says, "Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign: the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel." Jesus's birth is celebrated at this time, and he is known and remembered as God who lived with us, which is what Emmanuel means. So today is not only Christmas Eve, which is a big deal in our world and in our culture, but it's also a birthday party. I have a May birthday. My birthday is at the end of May, but my sister's birthday was in, or is in December, and I remember for her growing up, having a birthday around Christmas, it could have gone one of two ways for her amazing because she got like double the gifts or like a really big gift plus maybe double the parties and just the fun or she got the yeah this is your birthday and Christmas gift all in one and oh your birthday party is just gonna be the family Christmas gathering if your birthday was around Christmas it could be extra big or meh, not so great for God, we wanted to go the direction of big this year. So yeah, here at church, we got a camel, we got a donkey and sheep and goats. So be ready for big today. That's your warning. Yet as I was thinking about this this week, if you didn't know it was Christmas Eve or Jesus' birthday celebration here, and if you were kind of to drive by the museum or, or just peer in, you'd be like, what the is going on in there, right? You'd be like, what in the world? Like, they'd maybe see all of us kind of walk in, kind of happy-ish, maybe a bit more dressed up than normal or a typical Saturday. I mean, who even dresses up fully anymore? It's more like this, like post-COVID, right? It's like party on the top. I would have shown like an underwear picture, but I didn't feel like that was church appropriate. But yeah, you're half-dressed, it seems. But know, know whether whatever you're wearing today, you're welcome here. We want you to be comfortable here. So whatever you're wearing, you're, the fact that you're wearing clothes is amazing post-COVID. So awesome, welcome. Um, but an observer would see people and kids dressed up or fully clothed. They'd do a double take of seeing animals in the space or walking around the building. And you'd be a bit thrown off by seeing people in sheets and togas. Like, what? Is this a frat party? And then you'd see a camel, and you'd be like, what is going on, right? What in the world? Do you ever people watch and have that question? What in the world is going on? People watching, I think, is a nice way of saying you like being a stalker or a creeper. Uh, I'm kidding, because I honestly kind of enjoy people watching and observing from afar of what's going on. I like trying to understand people's story. I guess when I say it out loud, it still sounds like kind of being a creeper. Uh, but people watching sounds way more acceptable. I love people watching because people are just so unique, and there's so much you can learn from just 
watching them and observing them. Is anyone else like this? Anybody else like doing this? Okay. As, if that was you and you said yes to that, have you ever people watched at Walmart before? As I say this, I mean no judgment at all on what people wear, do, or say at Walmart. I have a lot of my own junk I got to deal with, and I am in no place to judge others. I mean, look at this hair. My family keeps saying, like, what's with the crazy scientist look, Aaron? I mean, people keep asking, when are you going to cut it? But people watching in Walmart, it's amazing because it's so random of who you could maybe run into. All kinds of people shop at Walmart, so people watching there is fun because it just makes me wonder What's their story? What's their story? Like, for example, this picture. Like, what, what was the story behind that? Like, did the goat have to come? I don't know, maybe. How about this one? Like, hey, let's just get together in our, in our, in our jumpsuits and just like, yeah, this is going to be fun. Or how about this one? Like, is that date night? Is it a first date? I, I don't know. Or, or this one, right? Like, but as I see this one, I get it. I, I get what's going on. Parenting's hard, right? That's a hard situation. I just want to know, though. I want to know the story. I mean, don't you? The reason I bring this all up is what do you think it would have been like for someone to observe what went down in the Christmas story with Jesus and his parents and his visitors? Like, the story, it's so unique, and it's one that makes you just want to know more. If we use what we know from the Bible, along with historical context of what was happening during that time, we can see it was an interesting time, actually. For example, if I was a people watcher of that time and day, let's say I'm a street vendor in Bethlehem at that time, there would be some interesting things I'd instantly notice. In my little town of just a few hundred people, selling is typically slow for me as a vendor, but not today. There is a hustle the hustle in the streets. Sales are good, people are everywhere, and family members are coming home as a census has been issued. People are returning to their hometown, and you can tell some have traveled far and long. The look of excitement to see family again is great, but the travel day of exhaustion is evident. I heard some even traveled from places like Nazareth, like 90 miles away. For me, though, it's probably my best day of sales. Everything is selling out. As my day ends, this couple catches my eye. I notice this couple rolls in late. They just look exhausted. They have little with them, but it looks like they are ones who have traveled this great distance. I see they stop by that inn on their way in the town, and I just know the answer they're going to get today. I see the look of disappointment on the man as he walks away from the inn. There's not a chance there's vacancy tonight. Any other time in our little town? Yes, but not tonight. Which is just unfortunate because I can see it. I can see the look of nervousness in his eyes and, and stress and anticipation as this woman that he's with looks to be about to pop. She is very pregnant, and it looks that the baby could come at any time. And the man, I can see the stress of the man. After getting a no at the end, I wonder what they're going to do next. Where will they go? Don't mind if I do a little peeking to see where they end up, eh? But I see, wait, he's in exchange of conversation with another person. They're pointing at the backfield, actually. No, not there. That's not fit for them. 
But I see this handshake, and he waves for the woman to follow as they head to this cave-like barn, and they're surrounded by animals and their feeding troughs. At least their donkey will have a manger for food. How is this going to work for them? I got to keep watching. I can't see fully what's going on and, and, and what's going to happen next. But what better do I have going on tonight? And it's a beautiful night. The stars are out and everywhere. As the hours pass and night sets in, I notice something new. This large star appears. Wow, is that big and is that bright? And wait, something in that manger now? Is something moving there? I got to get a look, but I see someone else is someone else is coming. Someone else is coming and, oh, it's just a poor shepherd. It's just a shepherd from afar. And are they begging? Wait, they're going to the family. They're going specifically to visit this family. She's exchanging pleasantries with them. And is she now bowing? Wait, did you hear the shepherd stating, glory to God in the highest. To who? This family? And why? Who are these people? And I just got to get a look. But wait, wait, something is definitely in that manger now. Did that woman, did she finally have her? I gotta get a look, but I hear some scurrying back here. I see some scurrying and they're making a lot of noise and they look Eastern. A camel? An Eastern traveler? And wait, did they just bow and worship? And are those gifts all by the manger? What is going on? Who are these people? And what is in that manger? Why would people travel so far to see this? It's a newborn. It's a baby. It's Jesus' birth story as seen in Scripture. If you were honestly people watching this all happen, you would have to know more, right? You would have obvious questions like, well, who is this couple, right? Why is this baby such a big deal? And who are these visitors? If you've heard the story before, you know it's Mary, a virgin who carried and delivered the Son of God, Jesus, along with her husband, Joseph. An angel appeared to the shepherds and told them, God's Son has been sent and you should go visit him and worship him. And then the wise men or the magi from east, they saw the star of Bethlehem and they traveled a long distance to it to worship this child. It's an amazing story when you know the details. But I actually want to sit on a few other questions that would probably stir if you sat there long enough thinking about this. If you watch this all unfold, I think you'd also have questions like, what happened next for the shepherds? What happened next for the magi or the wise men? They came, they visited, they worshipped, but then what? Have you ever personally wondered that? Or if not, maybe, maybe you're now sparked by my own curiosity. Well, the Bible, it actually tells us quite little about them, but it does say some things. It says in Luke 2, 17 to 18 and verse 20, it says, After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astounded. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. And the wise men, uh, the end of Matthew 2, 12, it says, they returned to their country by another route. They went home. 
A new route, which was to avoid Herod, the king of that time, who wanted to get rid of anybody who would maybe contest for his kingship. But that's it. That's all we really know about them. These two different groups of people, they got to witness God on earth. And then, nothing. If that was you, is that what you would do? Or would you do something more? For me, my first thought, if I was putting it to my own context, is if that were to happen today, I would stay. I would uproot my whole life, my family. We would stay with this family, like in a tent or who knows, maybe you have a van camper like myself. Like we would stay with this family and then we would just see all that's to unfold. Like if God is here, wouldn't you just stay and learn and see and just be a part of all that's to come? Why would you go back to your daily grind if God of the universe is present and ready to do big things? But then I had second thoughts about this. Because Jesus was a baby. He came as an infant. He's fully human and fully God. But I'll state that again. He's a baby. A baby as in fully baby. You want to know what it's like to be with a baby all the time? You get smiles, but then you get crying. Smiles, crying. Smiles, more crying and frustration. Smiles and more crying. Uh, smiles, and then, oh, cute. Oh, not cute anymore. Poopy diaper. Uh, smiles and exhaustion. This is my littlest, Claire, and she has put us through the ringer as parents. To be a bit vulnerable with you, she's caused more frustration and fights in my marriage than anything else. And she's only six months old. I'm nervous. (laughs) More fights than me wanting to hunt more. More fights than me buying too many things on Amazon. More fights than like spending time on that project building. I don't blame the wise men or shepherds for bailing. I don't. But wouldn't you expect to hear about them again? I mean, they had this encounter with God. It was amazing. It was worshipful. It was a powerful experience. And if you were a wise man or a shepherd, wouldn't you at least come back? Wouldn't you follow or try to just stay connected to this God that you can actually see in the flesh? I mean, he didn't stay a baby forever. He got older. He did some amazing things. Luke 2, 42 and verses 46 to 47, it shows that he was 12 years old when his parents lost him and found him. Three days later in the temple courts, sitting among teachers, listening to them and asking them questions, everyone was amazed at his understanding and his answers. Then somewhere around age 30, he gets baptized by John, his cousin, and a voice audibly comes from nowhere and confirms him to be God's son. And it's by God the Father. All those around witnessed this. Matthew 3.16 says, A voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Jesus then fulfills ancient prophecy from scripture hundreds of years prior to his coming just by his birth location, just by his actions and interactions with certain people and his choices. He recruits disciples or everyday people to follow him and walk with him, 12 of them, but then there's others that are just kind of his entourage going with him everywhere he goes. He teaches and he feeds thousands around Jerusalem. There's one time in Matthew 14, 21, he feeds 5,000 just men alone, just using a few loaves of bread and fish that one person brings. He creates this following where people 
come out of nowhere. The sick are healed. The lame walk. The blind see. Lives are changed. And if we keep going with Jesus' story, he does all of this as God's son. Yet people, people like you and me, don't actually believe he's God. We believe he's actually against God and he's wrecking the religious system. And instead of listening and following and learning from him, we get rid of him. And he had done nothing wrong his whole life and has killed it. Yet this is partially why he was sent here. Because he did nothing to deserve death and lived this perfect life and was killed by imperfect people, that's just not how God created the world. So he overcomes death. We die today because of sin in the world and we are sinners, but because he was without sin and he's killed by sinners, he beats death and is resurrected by God. He returns to his disciples, some hundreds of them, alive again and witnesses to them, defeating death and leaves us knowing, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, telling us we can have eternal life as a gift when we're in Christ, in Jesus. Again, it's an amazing story that's something we all need and we all can have. Yet where were the wise men in this? Where were the shepherds? Did they come back? Did they get to witness Jesus in all his glory and what he actually came to earth to do? Or did they just show up on Christmas, his birthday, before we keep going, I got to ask you, is anyone here else here not a fan of, like, birthdays? Okay, just me, um, but for some reason, birthdays just aren't my thing. They're just not my thing. I get it. I'm weird, but I don't want to, I don't want four special treatments uh, on my birthday. I didn't feel this way early on when I was a kid, but that's my view today. My view of birthdays, it's evolved over the years. Like, it's kind of like this video we'll see in a second. But my view on birthdays now is kind of like a 50-year-old. You'll, you'll see in a second. Check it out. Yes, we're throwing his first birthday party. No, he won't remember it. Yes, you do have to bring a gift and give up a Saturday. Mom and Dad, you, what'd, you, I, what'd you get me? It better not have been clothes. No clothes. It's lame. Thanks for the used Honda Civ, Mom and Pop. I'm going to go to Sonic Drive-In with my boys and sit there for four hours. 18, man. Finally legal. I can vote now, but I still can't do laundry. Oh, I made it! Finally! 21, man. Let's celebrate. This is not gonna go well. Starting year 23! <laughs> yeah, man. I have to go to work tomorrow. I'm ready for this decade. I am. I mean, just a simple life. Wife and kids. It's very fulfilling. No more Vegas trips with the boys. No more like spontaneous road trips. No more Coachella. Birthday's today, right? Wow. Uh, yeah. Thank you, honey. I'll take my favorite piece of pie. I see things from a new perspective. Just like the doctors will see me from a new perspective. Ah! Uh, I want to go home. Oh, Vern, sweetie, you're you're already home. To the Lord. No, I'm not 50 already. Or no, I don't just want pie. But I just don't want something special on my birthday. I don't love the fake extra niceness from others. I do like to be thought about, I guess, and I get that's part of why random people reach out to you on your birthday. But as a man, like, I just want to get wings or eat tacos or get a steak and a drink or, or maybe all of those things at once on my birthday and be around the people who are with me all year round. 
I'm not a big birthday person because it means way more to me when someone is with me daily or reaches out to me for no reason at all other than the fact that it's a random Monday and they care about me and it's something they do consistently. I'd rather just see people who are consistently part of my life on my birthday. Now, this is me, and I don't know if that's what Jesus was feeling with the celebration of his birthday, but for those who just showed up to Jesus' first birthday, don't you think they missed out? Like the wise men or shepherds? Again, we don't know if they never returned. We don't know that. But if that was the case, don't you feel a bit bad for them? I mean, think of all they missed. They missed Jesus' teaching and miracles. They missed a real interaction with him that they could have had, like this interpersonal interaction where they could learn guidance and help and understanding, support, purpose. When I think about this, I'm just sad for them. Yet how often are we like them of simply more of the show up once or have a there or have a or be there like just here and there type person and not in it for the long haul of being there consistently. In our situation, how often do we confine God to maybe the holidays or only Sundays or only those times we come to church or only certain areas of life? Could we be missing something? I realized this was the case for me years ago. Um, the realization actually came on a Christmas Eve for me. But it was a time where I realized I was kind of just like a wise man. I just showed up to Jesus' birthday. Growing up, I didn't mind going to church. I actually liked church. But when it came to freedom for me, as in college, with no family influence, I chose to do my own thing and pretty much stepped away from my faith completely. Yet, I'd be home for the holidays like it's Christmas, which you know what that means. To be a good son means going to church with mom and dad, right? So I'd show up to church with my parents, and this would happen a number of years for me. Typically, I would be out that night before with my friends super late, and it left me tired and sick the next morning, like so much so. I remember this one time specifically. We had to stop the car on Christmas Eve. I had to get out, remove some internal substance in me, get some fresh air, on the way to the Christmas Eve celebration that I was going to. But each year, I basically remember showing up to church. I liked the service. I'm like, this is a good service. And the feeling like, yeah, it's Jesus' birthday. I got to get back to church. I got to get back to doing the whole God thing. But then I'd leave. And then I went back to school. And nothing changed. Have you been there before? done the Christmas Eve thing or maybe a church service or two or maybe a stretch of faith for a few months and you felt like, I just got to get back on track with God. But then you leave and you go home and you get off track and nothing changes. Do you ever think what you could be missing? Like what could happen if you actually did change? Like if you didn't just visit, but you kept following Jesus's ways, which one Christmas that happened for me. I actually followed through. I had a similar night the night before Christmas Eve of being out late. I had a positive experience at the Christmas Eve service at church, and it got me thinking about God, like, oh, I got to get him back in my life. But then, then I decided to let God's ways lead certain areas of my life. For example, the things I was struggling with at that time, I started to look into a bit more. I was struggling with relationships at that time. Uh, friendships and specifically dating relationships were really hard for me at that time. I was struggling with purpose. Like, it was just all about partying to me. Um, and 
I didn't have a real purpose other than that. And then I also just like was confused with what was going on in the world. I thought there should be something more that people should do. So I looked up what God wanted in these things. For relationships, I saw he advocated that he wanted people to date with honor and respect. I don't like that. I realized God wanted me to find friends who love me even in my flaws, even in my mess-ups. I saw that God could actually help me have a purpose, like other than looking for the next party or purchase or vacation. I saw that God also advocated for what I felt was needed in the world. Like I saw he encouraged people to care for the sick, be there for the poor, be there for people in need. So I did what I did every Christmas Eve. I still left. I enjoyed some delicious desserts and treats with my family. And I went back to school. But then I chose to look more into Jesus, to try and actually walk with him, to try and have a relationship with him, to have him lead parts of my life. Honestly, for me, that didn't mean going to church every Sunday. I was in college. There's no way I'm waking up every morning. No, no way. But it meant once in a while, while getting up early to prioritize worshiping and being in a church community as scripture desires, it meant sacrificing once in a while doing that. It meant reading my Bible more. It meant actually responding to those gut feelings where I needed to care for others or do things for others. It meant praying for God's direction. It meant serving and forgiving others. And that walk of letting God lead while I followed changed me. It brought new perspectives on things. It brought new relationships for me. It brought new purpose, new meaning. Sure, there are some things that I had to change that I didn't want it to. Sure, I didn't get it right immediately. I don't know if you caught it in the beginning, like when I said before, but when I started to follow God again, I only let him lead certain areas of my life. Well, it seemed God always wanted to go into other areas I didn't want him in. He always went into these areas, and I allowed him slowly because I saw his ways work in my life. Sure, I did some of the stuff that I always did, but I consistently stayed connected to God, and it's what brought me to be who I am today. If I didn't allow God to lead these areas of my life or stay with me after Christmas Eve, nothing would have changed for me, and I don't know where I'd be today. Now, that's me. This is my story. What's yours? What about you? Have you considered allowing God to stay in your life after Christmas, after Sundays, or consistently go into maybe new areas of your life? If we go back to Jesus' story that started on Christmas, I think there are three different people that we probably can identify with. We can, all of us can identify with, I think, at least one of them. The first one is this, the people watcher. The people watcher. Are you the people watcher, the street vendor like I was in the story? Are you the one that you're not really sure what went down on Christmas? The one who maybe hasn't decided what they think about God and all the God stuff? The one who maybe, who maybe could have been involved in the story? Like they could have helped in that story. They could have worshipped. They could have been a part of something amazing, but chose to be uninvolved, an observer. If that's you, know that the whole reason Jesus came or was sent was for you. He was sent for all people so that in our wrongdoing, we can still have this eternal life with a perfect God at the end of our time here on earth so that we can beat death with him. As the people watcher, you can choose to remain there if you want and just observe, but you will never get the full experience of Christmas or of Jesus. The second person we could be today is the visitor. 
The person who, like the wise men, like the shepherds, they showed up and worshiped Jesus on that night. They maybe have a personal relationship with God, but also maybe not. Today, for us, the visitor could be someone who maybe believes there's a God or believes that Jesus came. It's the person who maybe likes seeing the spectacle of things, of his teaching or a spectacle of a service. But being a visitor doesn't mean you've actually chosen to make Jesus the king of your life, as in let him lead your life. Scripture states this in James 2.19. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. This verse shows us to believe God exists is nothing special. Even evil believe God, God's exists. Now, this is not the belief John 3.16 talks about, the most famous verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But to just believe God exists is not what he's looking for. To believe it was Jesus' birthday on Christmas and celebrate it isn't what God wants from his people. Honestly, there's no spot in scripture where Jesus asks us to celebrate or remember his birthday. You want to know what he does tell us to do, though? It was to remember and celebrate his death. When Jesus was about to die, this is what the Bible says. Luke twenty-two nineteen, And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is the belief Jesus wants from you. The belief that his body, or death, was for you. And then when you do that, you acknowledge he died and was the payment for your sins and that you can be saved through that action done by him. Romans 10, 9, it says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. A visitor can have this. All of us can have this. It's a free gift from God. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. If you feel you're the visitor today, have you acknowledged that? Acknowledgement of this need for Jesus' death. Could it have been something I think the wise men and shepherds believed they needed? It could have been, but we just don't know. But as a visitor today, you can know. You can know for yourself. Don't just celebrate his birthday. Declare your need for Jesus and remember him that way. And honestly, that's what makes you a Christian. If you've never done that, we're going to say a prayer in just a, a few minutes here, and I'll give you a chance. You can say that to God, that I believe that. I believe I need your body and I need your death, God, and I know that you've forgiven me. And you can do that in a second. But the last person that, from our story is the follower. The follower. When Jesus got older, he had followers. He had disciples. They literally followed him every day, everywhere he went. As in, they left their ways. They left their lives. They left their stuff. There was sacrifice on their end. But can you imagine the amazingness they saw? The miracles, the healing, the teaching, the understanding of how things actually are in the world from God's perspective. Jesus wants followers. Matthew 16, 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. A follower of Jesus doesn't just observe. They don't just visit. They don't just show up for a birthday party. They're committed and consistent 
with their life with God. They are living life as God leads while they follow. If I'm real with you, I'm not a huge fan of being known as a follower over being a leader or the person in charge. I like being the boss. I do. A follower is kind of seen as negative light or in negative light these days, right? So why would someone do this then? Why would someone choose to be a follower? Why would someone sacrifice and give up their life? Well, there's a line in a newer kids movie that came out just a few months ago that I think answers this well. I want to give you a little 30-second preview of it, and then I just have a few more minutes of stuff for us. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the eighth wonder of the world. running around loose without a conscience? Can you imagine the trouble he's gonna get into? Wouldn't want that on my conscience. Everybody who's anybody wants to be a somebody. But I want to be real. Why on earth would you want to be real when you can be famous? Pinocchio says, I want to be real. Do you want fame? Do you want luxury? Do you want riches? Or do you want to be real? Do you want real life? Real as in relationships that are built or repaired with real respect and support and care for one another as Jesus teaches. Real as in living a life that has purpose and it's not just chasing temporary manufactured highs like, uh, like things that are parties or vacations, things of that sort, but through making an eternal difference in other people's lives. Real as in guidance on how to have godly character one that's honest and true and good and humble and right, realizing one that forgives others because they've been forgiven much. Jesus' followers, they weren't famous, but they were real. They got to experience real life the way God intended all along. And that real life is something I think we can experience too if we choose it. Followers experience what I think the wise men and shepherds missed out on. In January here, as a church, we're doing this series called Walk This Way. And what we're going to be doing is looking at uh, and talking about specific followers of Jesus that you can see in the Bible and what it looked like for them to follow him. We're going to compare what that looks like to do ourselves today. But for this message series, we're going to be using the TV series, The Chosen, to kind of complement the messages. Has anybody seen the show before? Well, it's going right at the first se season of it, and we're going to be watching the show. It's not necessary to watch the show uh, for the messages, but they're just meant to be something that helps you see a picture, an image of what it looked like for people to follow Jesus, so that it's easier for you to understand how to maybe do it today in our context. We want to help you become a follower of Jesus here, one that continues to see Jesus as the leader, as the Lord over not just one area of your life, but all. I mean, we all know there's some areas in our life that we haven't let God take over fully. 
Maybe it's our marriage decisions. Maybe it's our parenting decisions or relationship choices or character when we're with our work buddies or at work or with extended family, our money choices, our ethics and business, maybe our pleasure decisions. I think there are people here today, like myself, who are well-meaning Christians, but we've only let God lead a few areas of our lives. Where do you need to let him lead starting today and start following? Where do you need to choose to not just observe, maybe not just visit, but actually follow? God wants you to follow him so he can give you a real life that is living how you were designed to live. As I wrap up today, what person are you? Will you remain the people watcher? Will you be the visitor, one who worships Jesus or allows him to be a moment or a part of your life? Or one where maybe, maybe you start to accept him? Or will you commit to be a follower, one who allows Jesus to lead and change you daily and in more areas than maybe you even desire? I want to pray that we, we celebrate this amazing day. We pursue Jesus in a deeper way than we've ever had before today. If you want to commit today to either maybe becoming a committed visitor or maybe being one who, who is, wants to be a follower of Jesus, I'm going to pray and you can tell God that and you can start your journey with him as a Christian. And whether you're personally praying that or not, just silently in your head and your heart, I, I'm, I'm going to ask all of us to pray as we just wish Jesus a happy birthday on this day. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, some of us right now are saying we want to be this visitor that comes and, and worships you and starts to just acknowledge who you are. We know we need you, God. Help us continue to look to you. Help us uh, continue to take what we what maybe started today and have it be something that continues on with us afterwards. God, and then some of us right now are saying we want to be a committed follower of you. We're saying we want to be a follower of you, of someone that looks to you, that has you lead. God, we... We know that we're only forgiven through you, but we want to continue to look to you and your ways so that we can continue to follow you as your disciples did. God, some of us are making that declaration. Go into the areas of our lives and lead. And then, God, some of us right now, we're just saying happy birthday. Thank you for this day. Thank you for what you've given us. Thank you for the reason we celebrate this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.